0: Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I'm your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and thanks for joining the conversation. It's really great to be back again this week. I was uh, not feeling well last week, and so we had to do a rerun of a previous show, but uh, it's really great to be here to talk about extrasensory perception, this innate ability that's common to all people. And in its simplest form, you know, our five physical senses are perceived through and managed by our central nervous system, which gives life meaning and It's the collective of our experiences and our impressions and expressions relating to the physical world. But our extrasensory perceptions, our extrasenses of perceiving is more through the psyche or our soul. And this gives meaning and purpose to our being and our sense of connectedness with all things. He can think of extrasensory perception as like an avenue of perceiving, that interfaces with the tangible and the non-tangible, the seen and the unseen, the physical and the non-physical world. You know, in earlier times, telepathy and other modes of connecting with a psychic energy was very common and it wasn't even labeled or, or people didn't think of it as separate from any other type of experience. You know, people thought nothing of sharing dreams and visions and experiences that indicated that they were connected with the unseen world. Information about this, these types of abilities was just woven into the culture and into the education and into the religious practices, and it was just common in ancient civilizations and cultures. You know, telepathy, we're also familiar with that, and it's very common in the animal kingdom. And we often speak to our animals in our mother tongue, but we also know that they communicate with us through this extra sense, through this kind of inner language. And they communicate with us that way, and we do with them sometimes as well. Now, in our modern times, here we're encouraged to trust our intuition. We encourage each other to follow our gut instincts, or you know, to go with your hunches. We even hear people speak about this term, you know, uh, that their spidey senses are tingling. <laughs> so these are kind of the common everyday expressions that we use to refer to our ESP or our extrasensory perception. And In the dictionary, the definition really involves the reception of information that's not gained through the physical senses, but sensed with the higher aspects of the mind. And this term was coined by Frederick Myers and later adopted at the Duke University by the psychologist J.B. Rhine. And it really was denoting uh, psychic abilities, telepathy, and other things as part of that. And telepathy comes from the Greek word tela, which means distance, and pathia, which means feeling. It's that type of extrasensory perception that's defined in parapsychology as paranormal attainment of information about thoughts and feelings or activities of another person. And through telepathy, really, it's the ability to send and receive thoughts from one mind to another and it's a natural ability of the human mind you know as young children we were naturally open to sensing things through our other senses yet children are often told that it's just their imagination and over time they often stop listening to this inner promptings or the feelings that they get from inside think of yourself for a moment from your own childhood and you know i recall what your own experience was Some of us have remained opened and continue to perceive things with our other or alternate or, if you like, extra senses. And other children, well, they just snap out of it and they learn to shift their perception away from these extrasensory ways of perceiving and just remain focused on their five physical senses. Some of you who are currently raising children recognize that your children are sharing things with you that seem impossible for them to know. Or they may be asking questions about things that you would assume would be on their grasps at such a young age. Yet still, many parents report with pride, with pride and adoration, the highly intelligent and perceptive statements that their children make. So in keeping with our constant theme that we always have here on the show about our world being made up of energy, let's think of ourselves as like as an energy vortex. And within the energy vortex of who we are, we broadcast and receive information in the form of thoughts and emotions and visual images and vibrations, which can be thought of as energy signatures or different flavors of energy. So here's a simple example. When you recount a story to a friend, right, you go into your visual memory and you look at the pictures and the images of the experiences that you're sharing. You often recall the feelings and perhaps the thoughts and the impressions that were going on with you at the time or your perceptions of the other people that were involved. So while you're doing that, you're broadcasting those images and those impressions and thoughts and feelings. Now, the person that you're sharing the story with, they may be receiving and perceiving the information through uh, means other than just the words that you're sharing. They may be tapped into their own extrasensory perceptions and using that to understand the story in a different way they may see the images that you are looking at in your mind and be able to describe the images that they pick up and talk about the feelings that are in the story. I often have that experience with people when they're describing something to me and when I am so aware of the the images, I just say to them, wow, you send really good pictures because it is as if their mind has captured a, a picture like a photograph and sent it to me. Like when you see something show up on a screen. So to help us understand more about extrasensory perception, let's look at three different aspects of who we are as human beings. We have our ego self, which is associated with our identity, our personality, and our physical body. Then we have a psyche, which Carl Jung refers to as uh, the unconscious, which is like, like a vast place of the unknown that's within us. The deeper part of us that knows better about you than you know about yourself sometimes and then we have the soul which is really the spiritual principle of ourselves. So the ego is the least aware part of us. It's focused totally on the physical world and then the psyche picks up on impressions that the conscious mind doesn't perceive. And the soul is the aspect of us that's most closely connected to source energy. So if we think of these aspects in order of purity, you could think of the ego is like tap water. And the psyche would be like water from the Brita filter. And then the soul is like fresh spring water. That just helps as a way of understanding those different aspects of who we are. And that the opportunity to really perceive things through our extrasensory perception would be happening more when we're focused on receiving information from the psyche or from the soul, not so much from the ego. So we have the three aspects of ourselves. And let's explore just for a moment our waves, because that gives us additional information and ways of understanding the various frames of mind that allow us to access the different avenues of extrasensory perception. So simply, there are four brainwave frequencies ranging from the most activity to the least. When the brain's aroused and actively engaged in mental activities, it generates beta waves. And beta waves are a characteristic of strongly in, uh, mind that's strongly engaged, and you know tasks that require more of the logical left brain kind of thinking. So the next brain wave is the alpha. Now, where the beta represents arousal and engagement, the alpha represents more non-arousal and more a uh, slower brain wave like when we complete a task and sit down to rest, then we naturally move into an alpha state. And now a person who has a regular practice of meditation or reflection or even spends time walking in nature, they really float kind of in an alpha, more of an alpha state. So we have the beta, the alpha, and now the theta brain waves are even slower in frequency. So whenever we're doing repetitive activities of daily life, you know, when your mind can disengage, you're able to slip into that theta state of mental relaxation. Now, it's slower than the alpha, where you're more prone in the theta to inspiration. So whenever we're on automatic pilot, we've got kind of this free flow kind of energy that occurs without the mind censoring your activity. And then it's very possible in that positive mental state where we have inspiration and feel our mind flooding with things that we would normally not think about. You know, when we refer to someone as being very laid back, they are likely folks that spend a lot of time in the alpha and the theta state of mind. So the fourth state is the delta. And this is deep, dreamless sleep. It takes you to the lowest frequency. And when we go to bed, we turn off the light and we close our eyes, and then our brain waves descend like shifting the gears down in a car from beta to alpha to theta. And then finally, we fall off into sleep in the theta. I'm sorry, in the delta. So, Rietrich shows that although the brain waves Usually you have one brainwave that's more dominant at any given time, depending on, you know, the focus and the activity you're involved in. But the remaining three brainwaves are present in a mix all the time. So really throughout the day, we kind of dip and move in and out of these different states from the beta, the alpha, the theta, and back and forth, depending on your activity and depending on your focus. Just like we do in our sense of, you know, more focused on the ego and the identity, and then when we're more relaxed, we're more focused in contact with the psyche or even the soul. So, you know, a little bit of knowledge just about the brain waves and these different states can just enhance our ability to understand, right, the different focuses. So, right when we're in an intense focus, it's beta. We're relaxed, it's alpha. We're creative, it's theta. And in restful sleep, it's delta. And the experiences of extrasensory perception are very common when we're in the alpha and the theta state of mind, so, let's speak about clairvoyance. It's derived from French words meaning clair, clear, clair, meaning clear, and voyance meaning vision. So clairvoyance really refers to the, to the ability to gain information about an object, or a person, or a location, or a physical event through means, other than the known five physical senses. So a clairvoyant is one who sees clearly, and that would be sometimes we have heard of or seen shows where um, even in the police department when they're looking for missing persons or that type of thing, sometimes they will call upon the services of a clairvoyant who has the ability to see into things that uh, not uh, not everybody does necessarily. So we have clairvoyance, which is clear vision, and then clairaudience, which is, uh, again, the clair, which is clear, and audience, which is hearing. And audience is really the ability to acquire information by what they refer to as paranormal auditory means. Like a audience person might claim to hear the voices or thoughts of spirits of pers- people who are deceased, like uh, the show with John Edwards and books John Edwards writes about contacting um, deceased loved ones and the work that John Holland does. And many musicians and poets and novelists claim that they've received their material rather than consciously constructed it. And in these cases, the clairaudience factors moved into the background and been replaced by a more commonly accepted idea of inspiration that artists experience. I've had that experience myself, actually where sometimes even I have already gone to bed and I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden I start hearing this music inside and and have gotten up and then gone to the piano and and started to actually um, uh, play the music that I was hearing inside on the piano. So that's a clear audience, clear hearing. And the third eye, which is an energy center in the middle of your forehead, is most commonly associated with our inner vision. It's been referred to often as our mental screen. And now our inner vision's not limited to our mental screen because you can really experience images anywhere. Sometimes the image or the experience is more like an energy impression and maybe something you wouldn't necessarily say that it's actually a visual image, but an impression, an energy signature. Now people can see energy and see auras, which are the energy impressions that are coming off of a person. And this energy is there all the time. And it's being broadcasted all the time. And from time to time, individuals are perceiving those images. But with clairvoyance and clairaudience, you may be seeing, yet not necessarily with your physical eyes, and you may be hearing things, but not necessarily with your physical ears. And really, You know, auras and people, well, I remember myself actually from uh, my early years in metaphysics, sitting in the classroom and actually doing gazing meditations and trying to develop that ability to actually see auras and see energy. So it's kind of like we have mentioned already, that shift from the ego more into the pure uh, place of ourselves, the psyche or the soul and then also that shift in the brain waves from the beta, more mental activity into the more relaxation alpha and then into the theta. So when we do a meditation, then we're moving through and into those slower brain waves, which opens up the ability to actually see things and actually connect with our extrasensory perceptions. And I tended to look more away from an object than looking right at it, looking in the space around something for the energy rather than looking directly at it. And I noticed that when I was in high school, actually, it was quite common sometimes, especially in English class, where it's, you know, more relaxed and less beta beta thinking, especially in the creative writing class. And I would sit and watch the auras of of the teacher and my classmates, or even at concerts, concerts or at conferences, you know, to when I was in a more of a relaxed state. And it's just a shift in perception and a different way of looking. So we've talked about uh, telepathy and clairvoyance, clairaudience. And now precognition really comes from Latin. And the, the prey is the before and cognition is acquiring knowledge. You can often hear it referred to as future sight and second sight, which really involves receiving information about the future that cannot be gathered by laws of physics or nature. So a person is said to have experiences, uh, people that experience premonitions, that they're really receiving information about future events that are perceived through emotions. And retrocognition or postcognition, also from the Latin, retro meaning backwards or behind, and cognition meaning knowing, describes people having awareness of knowledge from past events that they couldn't have learned by normal means. Precognitive dreaming is also a very common experience, and I know for myself, I sometimes, even in the dream state, have met people, even within a week of meeting them um, in my waking world, so to speak, I've dreamt about people and met them before I actually meet them, met them in the dream state before I've actually met them while I was awake and uh, as well precognitive dreaming i have had dreams of uh, of events that uh, hadn't occurred yet and then later you know one day something is happening and i go oh my goodness this was uh, this was the dream that i had i'm dreaming this and i think that precognitive dreaming is actually a lot more common than than we, than we really think about and I think actually a lot of these things are a lot more common than we really realize and some of it is just that people don't necessarily speak about it and other times it's because people are perceiving these things but without somebody really pointing them out, uh, they're not necessarily realizing that they're actually experiencing things. Unless, of course, you're associated with groups of people or friends that are consciously and on purpose pursuing these things. And then it's a much more of a calm and free-flowing type of idea. And people are experiencing different types of ESP or extrasensory perception on a daily, regular basis. But we all have the opportunity and ability to access information in any form about any subject. If we use the example of the Internet, right, you go online, type in any subject into the search engine, and voila, you click a button, the information appears there right in front of you on the screen. Now, in the case of the Internet, the data has been entered collectively by, you know, all the people that use the Internet. Now, through precognition and retrocognition, we're also able to connect with another kind of database, and it's commonly referred to as the Akashic Records, which is a database of every word, thought, and action from all points in history. And it's, it's kind of stored energetically, if you like, in a non-physical plane of existence. Now, if you think of it this way, we're all energy, and in every moment of every day, everyone emits energy into the atmosphere, you know, based on your moods and your thoughts and your feelings in any moment. And this energy is first registered in your own energy field, or aura, if you like, and then it's reflected into a kind of collective energy field in a non-physical plane of existence referred to as the Akashic Record. The unseen or non-physical world, it's not governed by the same laws of our 3D reality, right, of time and space. So that's why you can access future events, or you can access past events from the Akashic Record. And everybody has access to the records. Deep states of relaxation or meditation can activate this kind of search engine to the database. And people can learn to easily and smoothly access information from the Akashic Records some people are aware of searching for the data, searching through the database, and for other people, the information may just come into their mind. They don't really know where it came from, and they're not really concerned about that. It's just they're open, and they perceive it, and there it is. Now, déjà vu is also a common thing that people experience. It's common for children, and it's common for adults. You know that feeling like you've already experienced something? The literal translation, it comes from French. It means already seen. So it means that we're experiencing the past in the present. Déjà vu. I remember my son actually often telling me that when he was younger, he he would tell me that he felt that so often when he was just hanging out with his friends. They could be doing any activity and he always had a sense of like he was a a few minutes uh, ahead of everybody because he was perceiving things or having a sense of things as if he'd already experienced them so like he knew what was going to happen and i think that, uh, that that deja vu kind of feeling is is uh common also sometimes we'll feel that when we when we meet someone you have that sense of i you know feeling like you met them before being in a situation where you can predict what's going to happen because you know, oh, it's this is deja vu. And people use the comment, use the, the phrase, deja vu. So, another common thing in our experience is the mother's intuition. It's often been referred to as the strongest or most accessible form of our sixth sense that, you know, we hear about and have always heard about in our common, everyday life. It's kind of like mothers seem to have eyes in the back of their head. They can see and hear or sense and feel what's going on with their children, even from across the miles. So there's an intrinsic bond that allows for the information and the energy to be easily perceived, especially when the child's in distress. And mothers can often sense that distress. It reminds me of an experience I uh, had one time um, uh, to do with my son where I was actually out of town at a Reiki Masters gathering and uh, later in the evening I kind of was having a bit of an uneasy feeling about, about my son and wondered if he was all right. And I kind of dismissed the feeling as we do sometimes and uh, carried on with the activities that I was involved with in the group. And then a, a little bit later when... Um, uh it was time for bed and I went up into my room and I got into bed and turned out the light and a couple moments later I, I got up again and turned the light back on and kind of laughed at myself and said, oh, come on, just pick up the phone and call your son. And so I did and and it was interesting because he was, in fact, going through a, a challenging experience. He had had a, a a party with some friends and I guess some of the other People from the school heard that he was having a party and a bunch of people crashed his party, people that none of them knew. So his distress was really that experience of the time that it took for them to actually get the people that weren't actually welcome to the party off the property. And when I did uh, finally call him, he kind of laughed and he chuckled with his friends and and said, oh, it's my mom and, uh, and chuckled. And said, oh, yeah, Mom, everything's okay now. You know, we were able to straighten out the situation. So it's just one little example of many things that I've experienced with him like that when he has been in distress. And and I have called him. Um, uh, to find out that, in fact, he was needing some support. And uh, mothers from all over the world, from every time and every age and every culture, could report, I'm sure, many, many experiences of similar types of things. And, you know, it's because of that intrinsic bond that allows the information to and the energy to be easily perceived. Now, often people describe lines of light or energy cords that naturally form between yourself and your loved ones. And, you know, that intrinsic connection is not limited to mothers and children, yet it's certainly the one that we hear about the most, or we hear about, you know, mother's intuition or women's intuition. But uh, clearly, I assure you, men have just as much access to intuition as the rest of us. We just tend to not question the validity of the the intuition or the extrasensory perception when it has to do with our with mothers and children so with the same with all things really it's our openness really that aligns us to these abilities if you're open and willing to experience the connection of subtler energies and energy fields around yourself and around others then you know, you naturally move from that ego level of yourself to the psychic level of yourself, which naturally switches your brain waves from the beta to the alpha or the theta, which opens access to the information that flows into you. So, in a way, you can kind of see it like an equation or a recipe, and, um, Now that we understand sort of a little bit more in simple terms how we can access this, then it makes it easier for us to make the shifts uh, that we are able to do through even some of the techniques that we've talked about in earlier shows in terms of the little techniques of relaxation, breathing, hands-on care, letting go of the worry from your mind... Things like this, making the connection to the vital life energy, these types of activities naturally move move you into those slower brain waves, into the higher aspects of yourself, and make so many things possible that aren't just aren't possible in those other states of consciousness. I'd have to say probably that telepathy is the most common of all the extrasensory perceptions that we experience. You know, it can happen in an instant and you don't necessarily need any preparation for it. You know, it's a viable way of retrieving information from higher aspects of your own self or from other individuals. And for some, you know, it's a simple experience about, you know, you think about someone for, you know, and a few moments later the phone calls. Come and the person you were thinking about is on the other end of the phone. Oh, you're wondering about something, and next thing you know, someone starts talking about it or giving you the information. And some people feel like you know that sense of their their intuition guiding them throughout the day. I noticed that for myself, even with little things in your life, like, as an example, I really like uh, going down to the pool when nobody else is down there. So, you know, I'll be here in the apartment and all of a sudden I'll just have this thought come into my mind, go swimming now. And when I follow that, I always end up down in the pool by myself, which I really enjoy. Sometimes that can happen too, you know, you'll be thinking throughout the day, there may be chores that you chores, you know, little things you do outside, you go do groceries or other other chores that you do outside, little errands that you do, and you know that you need to do them, and you know, for myself, then all of a sudden I'll get that same kind of feeling, okay, go now, and oftentimes when I do that, you know, there's something out there that the timing works out perfectly, running into people that you know, or, or other things that are are wonderful little surprises where you just feel like you're, you're connected in a good flow of things. The children are often aware of being in the presence of expectant mothers. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I had that experience even with my mother when she was uh, pregnant with my baby sister. And I, and I said that to her. I said, Oh, mom, you're having another baby. And she was so shocked because, um, well, because she already had nine children, perhaps, but also because she wasn't aware at that time that she was pregnant. And sure enough, a few weeks later, she did, uh, come back and report to me that, in fact, her doctor told her that she was pregnant. So these are just some kind of little, little simple little, little things of how it is that we have this sense of being connected to things and, the sense of extrasensory perception being operative and you know i suppose in many ways we could even see that the idea of extrasensory perception and precognition and clairvoyance and clairaudience and postcognition and deja vu and all these types of terms that were that were coined in earlier years that in more modern times, I guess we have an umbrella word that we use, which is really intuition, and and everything seems to fall under that one category of intuition, whether it be telepathy or, as I mentioned, these other types of premonitions or prophecies or seeing auras or even different types of channeling that are, are more common in these days. So we kind of have, in earlier times, all these different terms to describe the different types of skills or abilities. And more modern times, we have an umbrella term of just intuition that is really used more than anything else. You know, in earlier years, when I was doing a lot of teaching of Reiki, I really noticed that the telepathic communication was really a common occurrence in the classroom. You know, I would often hear... Uh, inside questions, the students asking questions. I, now, I didn't always know who, in fact, was asking the question uh, in the inner, but um, I could definitely hear or sometimes even feel the question. And I think that that's actually a very common occurrence for teachers of any subject. So it may not be that everybody is consciously aware of that, but they just may be responding to little inner promptings that they're having. So certainly in the classroom, I found that idea of intuition or extrasensory perception being very active uh, oftentimes. And I found also it being very common around the treatment table even the idea of having clear visions or clear hearing, clear voyance or clear audience around the treatment table. And it's natural. It makes sense that that would happen because when we do treatments with people, we naturally go into states of deep relaxation, which would naturally move us into that theta brainwave state, which opens the doorway into deeper levels of perceiving. You know, sometimes I would hear conversations or see things from the past that an individual might have experienced that may be related to feelings that they had or times where they felt challenged in their life. Or sometimes it could be peaceful experiences or even family celebrations. Sometimes it felt like... uh, you know, I would be, we would, we would both be actually myself and the person I was treating in a very deep state of relaxation. And then it was almost as if we together through that our psyche was going on little journeys and seeing things and doing things in the freedom in the inner world while the treatment was going on. And then other types of experiences were related more directly to the conditions or the symptoms that the individual might have been experiencing. Sometimes I would hear, like, uh, hear a few lines of a song, and begin to realize the content of the lyrics was related to the emotions that were held in the body. It would also be very common just to see even colors or see lights inside while while treating, and even for people that were receiving the energy, that they could feel those same types of experience. And it's helpful to recognize that we all have access to extrasensory gifts because it's part of who we are as human beings. Just like in the earlier shows when we talked about the ability to put your hands on yourself and give care to yourself or give care to other people as being an innate ability common to all people. It's also true about extrasensory perception. We're receiving information all of the time through our thoughts, through energy. Some people would even tend to say that, you know, our thoughts are actually tangible. Others would say they're intangible, but they seem to have substance and they take up space. You know, we've all had that experience at some time or another or have it on a regular basis. You know, you're standing near somebody and you can really feel their mental energy, like the thoughts are taking up space. It kind of reminds me of uh, one of my friends. Um, She uh, made this funny expression about... um, uh, a kind of a, uh, a ball of wool, like someone's thought processes, or someone's thoughts really being around them. It felt like, like there was like this ball of wool around, as if the thoughts really had some t- substance. And sometimes we will we'll feel that it's similar to walking into a room. You know, sometimes you can have an experience. You walk into a room and you're just filled with this wonderful feeling from the energy in the room. Sometimes you go somewhere or you walk into a room and you get the opposite kind of a feeling. You maybe feel very uncomfortable. You know, perhaps there's been some kind of an argument in the room before you were in there. And you walk in the room and you're perceiving, you're picking up on that energy. Now, in meditation and in relaxation... And when people are daydreaming or nodding off to sleep, you know, they often see colors or images or they might hear conversations or information inside their mind and may even be bringing them an idea that's a solution to something that they were feeling challenged by. These are the rare opportunities sometimes for our psyche or our soul to send us information in ways that we're able to perceive or in ways that we're able to receive. The dream state also provides us with vast opportunities to receive communication from our psyche. You know, we work things out that we're struggling with in the dream state all of the time. You know, sometimes you get very overloaded with experience or you're feeling muddled or uncertain, not sure which direction to move in with things, and often we can work things out in the dream state. And, you know, it's a a kind of opportunity, as I was saying, that our psyche um, can kind of catch us off guard, so to speak, and it can bring us information that we're looking for because certainly we do go through cycles where we're just so mired in our beta 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 brain waves you know the beta mind and really a tight focus that way and not much relaxation and going from task to task and not resting and not taking time to be still and let the mind unwind and and we've mentioned before about how that certainly gives us lots of different types of stress and can give us different physical ty- kinds of symptoms chronic pain or indigestion or headaches or really makes it difficult for us to even really enjoy our life because we are so wound up so really it's through the shift in our perceptions really from our ego to our psyche And the shifts in our brain waves from the beta to the alpha and the theta that open the doorway into receiving and perceiving information and energy from our intuition, from our guidance. and can activate the many gifts of extrasensory perception that can augment your experience in the moment and can allow you to receive vital information and can help you to relax and enjoy your life. I want to just uh, tell you this, one of my really fun stories with my son. So one day I'm in the house, up on the top floor, I'm coming down the stairs with a freshly sharpened pencil. And in the hallway there is my son coming up the stairs. And I asked him, of what, uh, were you looking for something? And he said, yes, mom, I'm looking for a pencil. So I said, well, here, I have a pencil right here in my hand. So I handed him the pencil, and as he's trotting down the stairs, I said, well, I'm just curious of what what do you need the pencil for? And he said, well, actually, I'm down in my room just writing music, and I didn't have a pencil. And so then I got a great big grin on my face and a great chuckle because I had been sitting in the living room at the piano starting to write music, but I didn't have a pencil. So I went upstairs to the top floor to the office to get a pencil, sharpened a pencil, and on my way down was when I met my son. So that's one of the 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 most joyous, really fun experiences that he and I had that has to do with our connection and our ESP. So I thank you for listening, and um, this has been a great show on extrasensory perception and... I thank you for tuning in and we got great stats from the network saying that we had great listeners in February. So I thank you very much for that. And I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you again uh, next week. And this is uh, Leah Brenda Smith and you've been listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio and I encourage you to go from beta to alpha to theta and enjoy and relax. Talk to you next week. you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life thank you for tuning in to come back to your senses radio please join leah brenda smith again next thursday at 1 p.m pacific time 4 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we'll see you next week